you were here a couple of weeks ago, we started something on Beatitudes. And so Dan Billman sent me a text right after that Sunday morning. And he sent me, man, that was really good. And I said, yeah, that was good. And then he sent me another message saying, but it looks like there was more to it than what I covered. And I said, yeah, definitely. It's like a vast ocean, you know. There's more to, you know, really tap into the Beatitudes. But little did I know that he was speaking to me prophetically because God showed him a vision of what was about to come for me from that message. And he didn't tell me that until this morning. But uh, as uh, the Lord revealed to Dan, he took me to another dimension of the Beatitudes in the last couple of weeks, which I didn't expect. Really, I was just amazed that there is even more uh, deeper and um, mightier revelations coming out of that. So I wanted to talk about Ten Commandments, not to rehash some Old Testament do's and don'ts here. The main thing was if you look at the Matthew 5 and study Matthew 5, right after the Beatitudes, Christ talks about the Ten Commandments. He takes the Ten Commandments to a new revelation, a new dimension for the new covenant believers, and he clearly says that this has to be taught and not to be cut off. Meaning he said all these words have to be taught. So, you know, many, many a times we throw the baby out with the bath water thinking that's Old Testament, but there is some New Testament revelation that I would like you to glean as you stay um, hungry this morning. Father Jesus, I pray for your help. Touch my tongue. Touch the ears of the people. Lord, these are precious people of yours, Lord. We are thine. We are holy. We are righteous. We are an army that's going to wake up the whole nation, O oh God. I pray that you will sanctify us and protect everyone sitting here, that the word that they hear be protected and preserved from the fowler and from the evil one, that this would cause a hundredfold harvest in the days to come. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. So uh, as we looked at the Beatitudes, the clear goal of studying Beatitudes or learning Beatitudes was what? Attaining the kingdom of God. This was the supreme goal. Jesus said, all ought to work to gain or attain the kingdom of God. And he said it this way also in Matthew 6, seek first, everyone, the kingdom of God. This whole deal, the Christianity is all about we pursuing and attaining the state called the kingdom of God. And if you look at Jesus' teaching, I would say majority was around this topic. The kingdom of God coming upon mankind. And uh, the traditional church has kept the kingdom of God to where? After death. But we realize that's not the case. The kingdom of God is something that we ought to enter into now. This is not for a later period. It is now, and we enter into climax after death. That's for sure. But this is something for us to enjoy now. That's why the Bible says peace Joy and righteousness in the Holy Spirit for now. This is not for after death. And so he goes on to say a couple of the ones that I just uh, picked up was, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven, or kingdom of God. These can be interchanged. Blessed are the pure in heart, that they shall see God. And we looked at, so what it means, I'm not going to go into details, but we looked at what the blessed are the poor in spirit means. And God actually, the second layer of revelation about that he told me, blessed are the clear in spirit. 
you don't have any of those entanglements in your mind. Your emotions are not going through this and that, that you cannot see the kingdom. Blessed are the clear in spirit, for they shall see God. They shall see the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God, as I mentioned many a times, is a state where you enter into union with God, that you become one with God, where you realize that you are truly divine, that you are not your flesh, that you are not your family background, you are not your height, you are not your weight, you are not your addictions. You are a spiritual being, holy, righteous, blemishless, and all the other baggage has been paid for at the cross. That's why he said it is finished. We are spiritual beings. We are divine. We are holy. We are righteous. And blessed are those who are clear in spirit that they can see this truth. So our goal is to keep ourselves from all entanglements, all things that keep us away from seeing this truth. That's why Apostle Paul said, lay aside the sin and all those entanglements that easily beset us. Because the goal is to be clear in your vision towards God. So if your eyes cause you to stumble, pluck it out, he said, Jesus said. Your goal or your supreme price is being one with God. And nothing should hinder that union in your inner man. And then, like I said, if you want to listen to the Beatitudes, please listen to the podcast that will be posted soon. But then I'm going to take you to the next progression on the Ten Commandments. This would be new to a lot of people. I would say a majority of you it would be a new revelation, I hope. So the goal of the Christian life is what? Why are we here today? We are not in a sprint here. We are in a marathon race. Okay? So we are just running laps. We're trying to advance. Every one of you are in different stages of that marathon. But our goal is eventually to reach complete maturity to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Everyone say the fullness of Christ. So just as Christ was, so do we need to become. The goal is to enter into the full stature in Christ, every one of us. Now, like I said, you might be in lap one, he might be in lap 52. Everyone's in a different continuum of the journey. However, our goal is to attain the full stature in Christ, equal opportunity. God doesn't put any divisions or any delineations based on any human divisions. He said, oh, black people can't reach. No, that's not true. White people can't reach. That ain't true. This is for all. And Jesus said, be perfect, therefore, or be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Perfect in the spirit. You need to get this. You enter into the realm where you become fully aware of your divine identity and you are resting in God. Be perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. Unto complete maturity. So until you reach that rest, don't quit your race. Christian journey is tough because the enemy doesn't want you to get to the, any of the stages we're talking about. Because the minute you attain fullness you are going to plunder the kingdom of darkness. Because you'll, you'll operate with no condemnation. You'll operate with no guilt. You operate only in the spirit, and you're going to cut down every stronghold of the enemy. Because you're going to be a powerhouse in the cosmic realm. What you declare will, will be happened. 
What you decree will establish. That's the power of the sons and daughters of God. You know, Thomas said princesses and prince, but let me take it another way. You're going to be kings and priests unto God. Not cute prince and I know what he was saying, but I'm taking it to the next level. You got to plunder the kingdom of darkness. We are here for violence, spiritual violence. Remember what John the Baptist said? The kingdom of God suffereth violence. We need militant men and women in the spirit realm. Outside, we look like nice lambs. But in the spiritual realm, we are lions. That's how we operate. So unto complete maturity, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So why is Ten Commandments even given? The Ten Commandments are a vital part of our awakening process. The world awakening is going to happen also by bringing all these commandments back. Because all these are so vital to your and my awakening as sons and daughters of God. If you want to attain the fullness, you also need to know why this is vital. So in other words, the sole purpose is the manifestation of the sons and daughters of, daughters of God as seen in Romans. The Bible says creation is groaning for the manifestation of Michael Rush as a son of God, as Dan Bellman as a son of God. Everyone is groaning for us to take our rightful place. Because there's so much injustice and chaos going on in the world until we stand up to our rightful place and operate the world would be in misery. It will continue to be in the shambles that it is in today. So when you see weather patterns or other governmental issues or political problems facing nations and our nation or wherever it is, sons and daughters of God ought to, ought to come out and do what needs to be done in the spirit realm. Jeremiah said, he's called me to plant, he's called me to uproot, he's called me to throw down. You have the power to do many things in the spirit realm. What you lose on earth will be loosed in heaven. What you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. That's the keys of the kingdom of heaven given to us. But if you don't know this, you're just going to operate as an average Christian. Every Sunday we come here, we feel good, go back. Life is still the same. Can't do that. We got to catch the bull by the horns. We are in control of our life, my friends. Because God has given each man and each individual his divine power pertaining to life and godliness for you to start leveraging. So the Ten Commandments is to cause the sons and daughters of God to be revealed. And the enemy is against all these commandments. Take Ten Commandments out of school. Take Ten Commandments out of the courthouse. All that deal. But awakening won't happen until the fallen man starts to recognize what God's light is calling him to. And so again in Ephesians 5.14 says, Awake thou that sleepest, and arise from the dead, and Christ shall give thee light. Did you notice something? It didn't say someone's going to come wake you up. Did it say that? He said, you got to wake up. In other words, we must cooperate with God while working 
to restore the divine image inside of us. This is not a spectator sport. You got to do some labor. From the time you wake up till the time you go to bed, there are spiritual exercises. You diligently and deliberately exercise and practice. This morning I was there and I it is like stirring up the fire. I started to stir up the fire. I had to do that or else I would be sitting there bored. I said, no, I'm going to stir it up. I'm going to remind myself of the goodness of God. I'm going to remind myself again this morning who I am in Christ and who God is and how good God is, and I just stir it up. This is the work that's involved. Now, if I'm going to stand there and hope that something God is going to do something automatically, I'm, I'm deceiving myself. Now, God will partner with you as you work with him. But there is our part involved. So uh, look at the second bullet. It says, as children of God, we are living images of God, and we bear within us the divine power to create our future. We, we have the power to create our future. Don't wait hoping for something to happen without your involvement. You got to step in where you got to step in. You got to send the resume of your, for your job application when you need to. You need to take, you need to do exercise and hell, uh, take medicine when it needs to. You got to do whatever needs to be done, guys. And then wait for the miracle to happen as God partners with you. So life is meant for growing unto God, cooperating with God. But there is labor involved, as I mentioned. There is work when you come to worship, when you go to work, when you go to bed, when you go, when you're at home. Create the environment that you would like to see. And you do that, as you're doing it, you invite God into it. And it becomes a heaven on earth. But there is definitely the stirring up, the working, initial work that is involved. But life is meant for what? Growing unto union with God. Our goal is to restore the divine image inside and outside. It's a work, I'm telling you, because the devil don't want anybody being restored in their divine identity. He will throw all hell against you. All this fight that and struggles that we are going through is a, is a fight against our faith, meaning fight against us becoming one with God. He just don't want you and I to enter into the fullness and oneness with God because he knows once that happens, you're, you're gone. You're gone out of his hand. You're going to be in another realm. You, know, you will know how to attract prosperity. You will know how to attract wealth, health, peace, patience, all these things once you go out of his orbit. And so he would try to throw all distractions against you from work, from family, from kids, from grandparents. I don't care who it is. As long as you stay distracted and not focused on your pursuit, he's happy. But we will not sit or shut until we reach the fullness of God. That should be our goal. Or no matter hell or high water, I'm going to enter into the fullness that God has for me. That should be our violent mission. Some days it's going to be tough. Some days we are just going to shake our heads and be like, God, what is this? It's okay. Tomorrow, weeping may endure for the night, but joy cometh in the morning. Just hang on. The night is going to pass. Get back up again and do the work of God. Eventually he'll give up. The devil will give up. 
So first commandment, ten commandments. <clears throat> Thou shall have no other gods before me. Everybody say that with me, please. Thou shall have no other gods before me. The first commandment to enter into the fullness of stature in Christ Jesus, one thing that we have to diligently follow, that there should be no other gods before our true God. A God before God, a lowercase g, before the uppercase g, is anything that distracts us from our pursuit of union with God. And how we deal with the distractions reveal whether or not we are truly interested in attaining that union. Say so every day distractions want, demand our attention. But how a person deals with those distractions will show me how much is their devotion towards God. Whether you're devoted or not will be shown by how, much, how you manage your distractions. You know, all of us, or most of us, have plenty of friends, plenty of relationships to hang out with. But what, you know, in the midst of all these daily activities, what is your first love? Where is your first love? It's very easy to have God as one of my choices. He don't take that. It's not about He don't take that. You cannot enter into the fullness. Uh, with that attitude. You cannot enter into the fullness of joy with God as your second in life. Or God as third in life. Or God as one of my top priorities. It doesn't work like that. All things and anything that keeps you away from God being the first in your life would have to be pruned or uprooted. There's no uh, middle ground. Ezekiel 8, 7 through certain verses, if you see this, Prophet Ezekiel was brought to the door of the court, and when he looked, behold, there was a hole in the wall. Just imagine there's a wall like that. Then said he unto me, Son of man, dig now in the wall. And when Ezekiel digged in the wall, behold, there was a door. And he said unto him, Go in and behold the wicked abominations that they do here. So Ezekiel went in and saw, and behold, every form of creeping things, an abominable beast, and all the idols of the house of Israel portrayed upon the wall roundabout. And if you read, keep on reading the verse, those verses, it says, this is the chamber of the people of God's hearts. So outside, with their lips they worship me, but their hearts are so far away from me. So within the heart... All these wicked things are going on. We say we have God first, but there is other processing going on inside the heart. Only God can see that. We have to be clear before God. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Where is our priorities? Where, where are our passions? Where are our ambitions and agendas. Is it anything else other than union with God, be one with God? Because I'm telling you, my friends, as I mentioned, as the Lord told me this morning, all other sand is sinking sand. I know that very clearly. I've tried other stuff. It doesn't give you satisfaction. You are children of God. You're sons and daughters of God. You're gods. 
And until you enter into that union, you will never be satisfied. No husband can make you happy. No man, no women, well, no women none of that. You can try it. It'll give you temporary up highs and uh, lows. But only God, union with him in the spirit, only would give you divine purpose, divine satisfaction. And God knows this very well because he made us. So, but he says, look at Prophet Ezekiel, look at these people. What's going on in their heart? Every creeping thing. He's talking about all kinds of sin and thoughts and imaginations and pursuits in the chamber of their hearts. So, a God before God is anything that obscures your spiritual vision. So, if most of you are sitting here, you don't have to raise your hands or answer, answer me anything. But I'm asking you, are you able to see who you are clearly? If you're still hazy, there are things that need to be uprooted. If you, can, if, you know, it's a work involved. It doesn't mean you have, once you attain it, you are established there. You've got to maintain this state. But a God before God is anything that obscures your spiritual vision of who you are. Anything which draws our awareness from being centered on God itself is a God. In many people's lives, and I'm talking about Christians, a lot of Christians' religion has obscured their vision. Just religion, plain religion. They think they know God, they don't know God. <laughs> They're religious, but they are not spiritual. Spirituality, when you enter into the spirituality, it is known by the fruits also of the Holy Spirit. There will be great peace. There will be righteousness. When I say righteousness in the Holy Spirit, you walk with your right identity in God. You know you are children of God, your sons of God, your gods. And you walk with that divine knowledge, righteousness in the Holy Spirit. You're centered in God. And so all your activities will reflect that. Your, the peace that you emanate. The joy that you emanate. The patience that you emanate. Even patience cannot be produced until you really become one with God. Because then you start to see your fellow neighbor as a fellow divine being. Right now lost, but I'm going to be patient with them. Because they are not their flesh. This is another spiritual being who is lost. My goal is to bring them back. To Christ through my good works. Peace, patience, long-suffering. This is why Apostle Paul continually talked about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. But none of these fruit can be developed until you reach some of the union, the unity with God's Spirit. No other gods before me. So if, you have, if you're religious, my friends, I invite you to start opening your eyes to the spirit realm. The spiritual peace. Get away from the mundane rituals and the order. And You saw what happened today? We are not religious here. We just want to worship God. <laughs> we don't care about, you know, whether the deacon came first or the bishop came first. We just don't really care. We are lovers of God and until we reach the full consummation in the spirit, we are not satisfied. The presence of God was so thick this morning. Ha, what a breath of fresh air. 
Glory. There might be so many other churches around there, flashy buildings. Useless. Dead bones. I'm not satisfied. You can show me 10,000 members, but what, what, I'm not receiving anything from there. Nothing. I am not, as a deer panteth for the water, so my soul thirsteth after God. I am not satisfied until I receive his fullness. Jesus. How long will you smoke cigarettes and quench your soul? How long will you drink alcohol and quench the thirst of your soul? How long will you do the other stuff that you're doing and hope that someday you're going to get satisfied? My friends, this is just a cycle of death. You're just killing yourself. Fall flat on your face and cry out to God, and he will turn your life around. Jesus. So anything that hinders, if there's any God in your life that is above the great God, cast it down. It can be thoughts, it can be sin, I don't know what it is, but Apostle Paul said, casting down every imagination and high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. Bringing into captivity every thought into the obedience of Christ Jesus. Second commandment. Do not make any graven images. Exodus 20 verse 4 says, Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image or any likeness of anything that's in heaven above or that's in the earth beneath. Or that's in the water under the earth. Thou shalt not bow down thyself to them, nor serve them. Do not allow material stuff and its consciousness to displace the spiritual truths. It's very easy to hang a cross on your neck and think that you're serving Christ. Or look at a picture of a cross and think, okay. Do not depend on anything material to tap into the spiritual. Because you are going to just contain God of who He is. You, at least in your imagination, you put a cap on who God is. God is way vast and way more infinite than you can imagine. And so leave that open. You've seen how many religions, including Catholicism, has what? Idols. They have the statue of Mary, statue of St. Francis, Similarly, other religions, Hinduism has, you know, so many idols. Bo bo uh, Buddhist has Buddha's idol. If you go to a Chinese restaurant for a buffet, you can see this laughing Buddha. You know, they said, rub the tummy, you'll get some blessings. <laughs> so, you're a divine being. You don't need to rub anybody's tummy. You're already a god. So do not make any graven image, nor bow down before any graven image. So your friend might say, come, let's go to Timbuktu, and let's just bow down before this great idol. Don't believe in it. Tell him to save money, bring him to City Gate Church. <laughs> we'll give him free presence of God. Do not make any graven image. So this, like I said, it doesn't have to be idol of a god. Anything material that you elevate and uplift, 
above your spiritual relationship with God can become a graven image. Anything graven in your mind that you're still idolizing. For women, it might be different from men. For women, it might be Victoria's Secret or the next, I don't know what it is. Or for men, it might be the next car. So whatever is graven and we are putting above God, we should not. We should cast it down. We should not bow down before them. If there is even some, for some, it's football. We say, oh, Sunday, oh, man, I'm waiting for church to end so I can... That's a graven image, graven in your mind that you're going to bow down. You consider trading in those floors important than trading here. That's because you don't know what's going on here. Do not make any graven image. Third one, do not take the name of God in vain. You know, so Matt was singing the song um, about Jesus or the, the uh, young uh, lady there. So what, what were we doing? We were taking the name of God with reverence. We were saying, Jesus, Jesus, the one who's able to save. You got to use the name of God always with the right intention. What's the right intention of using the name of God? To draw near to this great God, the maker of all, the sustainer of the universe. Your goal is to draw near to God. So when you say Jesus, don't be using that name when you cuss, but when you want to draw near to God. The word prayer, the word translated is prosevki. Prosevki means drawing near. You seclude from the hustles and bustles, and you draw near to the maker of your soul to the lover of your soul. Because every one of you are amazing, divine people, divine beings sitting here. But you're lost. Many of us are confused sitting here. But God wants to wake you up to the fullness of your inheritance in Christ, to the fullness of your potential and your destiny. Your past doesn't dictate your future. That's a, that's a lie. For God, he doesn't consult your past to determine your future. Get that. Your past is past. It can be thrown into the trash and put fire on. I don't care you are a murderer or what you were before, but you've truly repented, your future is going to be different. Because all men had fallen short of the glory of God. No one can sit here and say we had a clean past. So prayer or using the name Jesus is to draw near to God. When you, when you can't say any prayer, just say the name of Jesus. Come on, everyone just say the word Jesus. Jesus. There's power in that name. I've had troubling situations where I didn't have any prayers coming out. I just said Jesus. I might even quietly say Jesus. Lord, help me. There's power in his name. So when, so when he says, do not take my name in vain, it's when you invoke it, invoke the name of God, without the intention of having any effect upon your life. You're just saying, oh, Jesus, look at that. Oh, look. You know how people take the name of God? That's because you're, you're, you don't intend to have the name of God to have any effect. That's taking the name of God in vain. 
You see in Hollywood using the name of Jesus, cussing and this and that. But this is, a, again, why did he give this commandment? You cannot wake up to the, your spiritual potential, nor can you enter into the fullness of Christ until you rightfully use the name of God. This is, as I said, this is a part of the marathon race. So all these uh, commandments we saw is for what? For your spiritual your progress. Thou shalt have no other gods. Until you get that straight, you ain't going to the next level. <laughs> you ain't. So you don't wonder some other 20, 30, 40 years in the church, they haven't gone anywhere. Because you have other gods. I'm not surprised, right? And, so, and the second one, do not make any graven images. We saw, again, why? God is not sitting there at some place and he's this egomaniac trying everybody to worship him by following. His goal is for us to all wake up that we are gods. We are children of God. We are divine. He does not, he does not want anyone to shortchange on that fullness. He wants all of us to enter there. So do not take the name of God in vain. Please use the name Jesus with great reverence. Fourth one, keep the Sabbath day holy. Again, religious people have taken this into a different, so there is what, there's a religion called Seventh-day Adventist who strictly say if you are not uh, keeping the Sabbath on Saturday, yeah, I don't know if they say that you go to hell, but I don't know what they say, but they, say, you, they strictly say you have to follow what? Saturday. Don't believe in any of this, my friends. It's a man-made form of godliness without any power. It's useless rituals of man. Doesn't matter, it's Monday, Tuesday, Sunday. The key is you entering into the rest and union with God. And you, definitely you have to set some time off from your busy week to reflect on God. When you say keep the Sabbath, Sabbath means what? Rest. Keep the practice of entering into the rest holy. That's how I would translate it. You got to practice we, every week of calibrating back with God. Because your daily job, your uh, family demands and all can take you off calibration. But your goal is to find a time to recalibrate and reset with who you are in God. So the observance of the, this commandment means finding time for cultivating divine consciousness. Just reminding yourself who you are. You're not a sinner. You're not a miserable loser. You are who? You are sons and daughters of God. You're divine. It's a time to reestablish back in the identity that you have in Christ. Letting all that junk pass out. Just leave. Flush it out. But if you don't take this time, if you don't keep the Sabbath day holy, you're going to run around in this rat race confused with no rest. Many, many people's problem is they don't take enough time to set aside and have some quiet time. Keep the Sabbath day holy. You have, this is what Jesus, despite all his ministry he did, he would take time. And set aside that time to be with God, just one-on-one. -on -one. It's time to be still and know that he's God.
and know that you are God as well. Sons and daughters of God. So until we enter into the seventh day, not a Saturday or a Sunday, but the state of rest, what, do, what happens? You continue to identify with the six days. What do six days comprise of? Labor and work. So you will enter into this maze and rat race of work, 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 work. And then some bar, but there's also work. So it's a totally a toil and labor of man which doesn't satisfy. So the Sabbath day rest is to enter into the pure divine consciousness. So when Vicky enters, she says, yes, I know who I am. And now I can function with some self-esteem, worth. I know who I am. Because it's so important for each one of you sitting here. You have to know that you are, you are worthy. You are a divine being, confused. But you, you can recover from all that. And you can get back your crown. Golden crowns placed on everyone's head. That you are sons and daughters of God. You in your color, you in your background, your spirits. So if you say if you can't find time, I would say you must find time. Keep the Sabbath day holy. Next one, fifth commandment, honor your father and mother. Strange, at first when I was studying this, I was like, what, what does this have to do with my attaining the fullness of Christ? Because all of these commandments... All of the Beatitudes are all designed for what? So that everyone sitting here, every, the whole mankind would enter into the full stature of their divinity. That everyone can perform and operate out of a clean and a clear heart in the knowledge that they are kings and priests unto God. So what does honoring your father and mother do, have to do? So honor your father and mother. And actually the whole verse says, Honor your father and mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. In other words, in order to sustain Christ consciousness, honor is a principle that we have to maintain. Even though it says about father and mother, it talks about honoring one another as well. Because everyone, whether it's biological father or mother, can be a spiritual father and mother. We can all pour out to one another. I might be younger to Dan, but if I pour out to his life, he can consider me as a spiritual father. Or like uh, Clay Nash. Apostle Clay is way older than uh, Apostle Dutch, but he considers Dutch as a spiritual father. There's no age here. It's pouring up, but the principle is what? Honor. If you want to attain the fullness, the principle of honor has to be maintained. Respect. And even biologically speaking, we got to honor our parents. You know, Many Christians, ministers, and they have grudges against their parents. You, but I, I'm just going to announce this. You'll not go any further until you get that relationship straight. You can say, my dad was this, my mom was this. She no, 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 no. We can bring all the complaints against our parents, but we got to forgive them and get our relationship restored. It's important for our pursuit or our progress in God. Honor your father and your mother. 
because uh, that's one of the places where the devil plays very early on. Especially if he knows you have potential, you have a ministry, he'll try to disturb that relationship. Parents and kids. No. If, you, if we have dishonored our parents, go and ask apology. Dad, mom, I repent. There might have been things, but I just want to say I am sorry. You got to say that and get, get the relationship mended. Why? Because you will not go any further in your spiritual journey without honoring that principle. Similarly, spiritual fathers and mothers as well, there has to be respect and honor. They might have soared into your life 10 years ago. They might not be relevant. It's okay. If you have a phone number, give them a call and tell them how much you appreciate them. Honor. So this is one thing Satan is craftily playing in societies. Parents and kids, let there be a division. Parents do their thing. Kids do their own thing. Society breaks up. There's no proper honor. So I just want to do the first five this week. The next time I teach, I'll do the remaining five. But I want to recap on the conclusion and the Beatitudes. Let's see. So what does the commandments do? It's, it exhorts us to keep these processes that will facilitate our eventual union with God. So what these Ten Commandments will facilitate your progress and union with God. When you practice disobedience to these commandments, it prevents the union. And guess what? You get estranged from your divine source. So if you follow this principle that such as, Thou shalt have no other gods before me. You're going to go way further in your pursuit of God. And I'm going to close with this beatitude just for you to remember from, you know, uh, one of my mentors said, there's nothing else, this, this thing can help us grow in God. These beatitudes. Blessed are, I'm going to read it one by one. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Hey, Matt, would you come Let's, and place uh, so that we can close it out. So blessed are the poor. In spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Like I told you, here it is, my, my paraphrasing. Blessed are those who are clear in spirit. Make sure your spirit man is not entangled with all these noises around you. You got to keep it clear so that you can see. Blessed are those who mourn. I told you last time when I taught that it's, mourning is not a bad thing. God likes People who cry out in His presence. The Lord have told me prophetically many times, I want to see you cry in my presence. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Men, there's nothing wrong with crying in, in the presence of God. You can mourn, you can weep, you can express how desperate you are for the presence of God. If I don't feel, if I get disconnected even a bit from the union, I'm a depressed man. So I will do anything in my capacity, whether it's crying, rolling on the floor, flat on the floor. I say, God, I want thy spirit back. His spirit is with me always. It's just my awareness of that. So I cry out and say, God, I just want you. I need you, Lord. And guess what? He comes immediately. Because that expression releases his comfort. He wants to know how much you want him. Blessed are those who mourn, for you shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, 
for they will inherit the earth. We saw, saw that last week or the week before. The meek meaning the ones who practice a lot of self-restraint. Who practices patience, long-suffering with others. Who are not loose cannons, who will not snap. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Again, what righteousness? To be in union with God. I'm hungering and thirsting, oh God. To be, just to know that I'm yours. That I'm holy, I'm righteous, I'm not my sin. That all condemnation be gone. And when you hunger for and thirst for those righteousness, you will be filled. What a glorious promise. See, this is not Jinu Thomas's promise, my friends. These are the promises of Christ. He can take you to the bank. Blessed are you when you hunger and thirst for righteousness. Blessed are the merciful, for, they will, uh, for you will receive mercy. How, are, how is that life coming? Do you show mercy to others? Do you show mercy when someone cuts you on the road? Do you show mercy at your workplace? Do you show mercy to your fellow human beings? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Pure in heart, again, as I mentioned, keeping out all those other filters. Let it all burn. And look at each other as other divine beings. Honor others. As the Bible says, esteem one another highly. Honor, pure in heart. I'm not going to look at her based on her past. I'm going to love her as who she is in Christ. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Not the traditional peace. This is you emanating, you projecting peace wherever you go. As you step in, the environment becomes peaceful because you carry the Spirit of God. You carry the communion with God that as you step anywhere, there will be peace. Blessed are the peacemakers. Because it says they will be called children of God. So someone else has to recognize this. Not you saying I'm a peacemaker. Someone else has to say when Dan Bilmer is around this environment, there's something else about this. When Ira is around, there's something else. Someone else has to testify to this fact that you indeed are peacemakers. And the last one, blessed are those who are persecuted. My friends, listen, all these struggles, all these other tantrums thrown against you is a sign that you truly are a son and daughter of God. Do not quit the race. Come on, let's stand up. Do not, do not forfeit what you started. This is not a sprint. This is a marathon. And we're going to run these laps. We're going to run with helping one another. We're going to run until we enter into the full stature in Christ Jesus. Come on, everyone, lift our hands. Come on, let's just ask God. Come on, show your expression of how much you want Him. Oh God, pour out your spirit, oh Lord. For all the hungry and thirsty souls. Until we enter into the fullness of who we are in you, oh God. Until every heart is settled. Until every heart is comforted. That they are not ordinary. That they are people of God. They are sons of God. And they are gods ready to manifest to the creation, oh God. I pray you will empower everyone, oh God, with great power. You will show areas 
that they can step into and do your will, O oh God. Thank you for this army of awakening, O oh God. That we wake up all that is sleeping, O oh God. Jesus.